parents that make these choices so desperately to maneuver things when that's not the way I think we're designed to live. I think more holistic parenting is you're not going to shelter them from everything you can. And that's not our role. To me, that's God's role, right? So we're going to go through them side by side. We're going to teach them, you know, um, how to handle adversity from early on. Even from early in the household, they're going to have these problems. And the sooner you start going with them side by side versus over them or in front of them or around them, you know, like these parenting, number one, the less stress you will feel. And number two, the better and more resilient they're going to be. Because the centenarians, they didn't have someone, even from a young age, saying, you know, um, let's take away all of these hardships, right? And and that's hard, but we, 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 we are not designed that way. I'd like to introduce my newest guest, Dr. Rhonda Spencer-Wong. Welcome to the Practical Family Podcast. Thank you. Now, Dr. Spencer-Wong is a professor and she's an epidemiologist out of the School of Public Health at Loma Linda University in Southern California. And here is a funny coincidence. I grew up in that neighborhood. So crazy. So what is Loma Linda specifically known for? So Loma Linda is a community, a a Christian community of Adventists, and they're known for their longevity, right? Um, We have people coming from around the world, even, you know, a few years or about a year ago, Belgium, they were coming from Belgium to do videos in Israel and um, Finland and Norway to come and see what it is that makes this community the fountain of youth. We have a lot of people that live to 100 years of age. In fact, my husband's great aunt is probably the oldest right now in Loma Linda at 108. So she's 108 years old. At 100, yeah, at 100, she was still driving her car. She drove a Honda Civic and lived independently, right? And now she lives in assisted living, but still going going strong at 108. Wow, that's incredible. And there's a special term for folks who live to about 100, isn't there? So what they call them is centenarians. So my centenarian friends live 100 plus years. And is this what your research is mainly focused on? I mean, I know you've done interviews of a lot of these folks and and what has sort of been the consensus and how has that impacted your research goals in particular? So my research with the centenarians is really, I was really interested in their childhood experiences because much of, um, so I'm a parent, my youngest at the time was one and I had a, you know, eight-year-old and then uh, 11-year-old and I really wanted to find a better way, right? I wanted to see what is some of the things people who are a hundred did that started in their childhood. So that was, you know, so I went to go find these folks and, and interview. Wow. And, and what are you finding from with their answers? Did they all, you know, ride bikes and play in the dirt? Is that, I mean, did you find some similarities there? So, so when I sat down to do this and I, I I did it as a whole research study with um, going through the IRB approval process. So very detailed down to the questions we would ask. And um, it wasn't so much the questions I asked. I did find similarities. Um, And one of the questions I wanted to know was, did you have any hardships in your life, 
right? Because you think to live to 100, they had to have a pretty easy life. So when I asked them to have hardships, they'd say no. And then I'd say, okay, well, just tell me. Let me just hear you talk about your childhood. When they would start to tell me their childhood, it was filled with hardship and trauma, right? From loss of a family members to overcoming pandemics themselves, right? So they're born through many of them, um, Spanish flu and ACEs, right? These adverse childhood experiences we hear about where, you know, if a, there's a divorce in the family, there's mental illness in the family, there's incarceration. They were filled with ACEs. They had so many that science say it should have shortened their life, right? By 20 years. One of them has an ACE, you know, a score of six or more shortens your life. And she had that. And so when I listened to those stories, I about fell off my chair because I thought, you're not the fountain of youth. I call my friends the resiliency capital, right? It's the first one I've identified, the first one in the world that I've identified. I think Okinawa is another one where they not only live long, but they overcome these tremendous hardships in their life. Um, and, and they come through with amazing joy and living fulfilled. Their life wasn't always happy. But having overcome this, I think it gives hope, especially for those that are struggling, you know, a single parent, right? Um, or, or people, and these guys, they had no money. They were terribly poor, terribly poor. One of them, the centenarians, she didn't know she had rickets as a child. They didn't have enough money for food. She lived in Kansas as a child, um, grew up there. Eventually, they all moved towards Loma Linda, but their childhood is from all over the world. So they're all different genetic backgrounds. And this lady, she's 105, was a school teacher. She said growing up, her family was so poor, they'd give her a nickel and an old coffee can, and she'd have to go to the um, kind of uh, like the market or the dairy out back behind where she'd pay a nickel and get skim milk. And that was their milk for the day. And they had hardly any. There was like nine kids in her family. And she'd come back. Um, at a dental appointment later in life, they realized from her teeth that she had rickets as a child, right? But they never knew they, they never knew these things. So they're overcoming all of these hardships to go on to become, oh, one was a world famous surgeon, right? So he was the first doing heart surgery in Pakistan. And he came from humble beginnings. They're all farmers. So humble beginnings as a farmer and decided one day he's walking along the road and really putting his mind to things to think, I want to be a doctor. And then at that time, farmers didn't become doctors. They were farmers. Um, so he became one, then went on and said, I want to be a heart surgeon. There was no heart surgery when he became, so he became that. Then he went around the world. I mean, he went to, um, was the first to do in Pakistan, heart surgeries there, first ever. We have others, uh, Holda Crooks. She decided in her 50s, I'm going to set mountain. I'm not going to. She didn't say I'm going to set mountaineering records. She said, I'm going to start climbing mountains. Sadly, her husband had passed away, right? And her child, her child had passed away too. And so she decided, you know, I love nature. I'm going to get out. The woman started hiking. And our park here is named after Holder Crooks. You can Google her. But she holds the record for the highest peak summited at the oldest age here in the U.S. at Mount Whitney. And then she did it again, I think at 94 in Japan. So the highest uh, Mount Fuji in Japan. So these people are, they live extraordinary lives, but their resiliency started in their childhood. 
to protect them from the damage that they were from everything from pandemics, right? And we're living through that. So I know a lot of your moms and dads too probably wonder, what am I doing? How do we do better? How do we fight back the pandemic and make sure we're as strong as we can be? The next that they went through is the Great Depression. And I know a lot of parents are worried. And that's on the back of my mind too. Are we preparing ourselves for what may to come? Okay. They had great advice for overcoming the Great Depression. How do you handle that? So um, just, you know, I, I'll, I, I should let you talk because I love them so much. And hearing their stories, it really had a strong impact on how I live my life. Oh, gosh. That incredible. I could sit and listen to these stories all day. I'm like, and another one and another one. <laughs> so throughout the, book, throughout the book, I introduce you to them and they're amazing. And they're always like, oh, they're a first in that, a first in this. How can that be? Right. They, the, the statistics and everything would say they're not going to make it. And here they are like trailblazers. Oh, wow. So that resiliency born out of adversity. Oh, I mean, we can hear that phrase over and over again, but really what is adversity and how much adversity do we need in our lives to help to build that resilience? Now, how has your study in resiliency in these areas impacted how you bring this message to families now who are, who are raising kids who are hopefully maybe going to change their own habits in order to develop that? How, how does that work together? So I, I guess it starts from a place of how I, I use this to help myself. Um, so a few years back, I even decided I wanted to do this research because my own life was hectic. And I share this in the first chapter of this book was my own secrets of coming out with my hidden habits, right? So um, it's just living this fast paced. And I'm sure a lot of moms can relate today to, you know, this haste, right? We're living at this pace. Everything's so fast. Um, and let me warn you, like as the pandemic wanes, right? So as we see the numbers decreasing, um, things are going to open up and there are these feelings starting to bubble up that say, you've lost a year, get busy, get going. So I'm worried for parents that it's going to be even worse than before. But I, I was there and one day, you know, I'm sitting in my backyard. I had to take time. I probably called even a sick day, called in a sick day because I really was. My youngest was one. I wanted a different way. My husband's cholesterol was going. He's had high blood pressure. My cholesterol was going, though we're vegetarians and we mountain bike like every day. But the level of stress that we're placing on ourselves to come, go, um, eat food on the fly, um, all of these things, right, was coming down. And I just said, you know, Lord, I lead me to a better way. And then I realized, hey, all of these people are coming to my community. I get calls from the university. These filmmakers want to see in my pantry, right? Which adds to my own stress because before <laughs> filming would come, I have to fling open the pantry, clean out the Captain Crunch and whatever else, right? And make this what they imagine the fountain of youth would look like. Beans, beans and lettuce, right? Okay, so I had to clean up my... And I got tired of living that way. And I said, I just want to see what they did in their childhood and what advice they'd have for parents. And that research hadn't been done yet. So I went and started interviewing them. And I'm, I was so nervous because epidemiologists, we are behind the scene kind of folks. We're going to count the numbers. We're going to tell you, right, where things are going bad. But 
to get out and interview people. And so that's what I did. And I started, I started researching them and I had a team volunteer of my grad students that were wanting to meet people who are hundreds. So we went, yeah, we tracked them down and, and we found this. And then after that, I began putting into practice what I was learning from them. And one of the first I can tell your parents is, um, you know, be, be okay that your schedules are not slam packed, right? That's the first thing. So right now there's this feeling of you've got to be on five, five committees and you've got to have your kids enrolled in five after school programs because there's five dates of the week. And some of the parents, I was at an event the other day, one parent was going to cut short one of the events to make up a makeup for another event because she'd missed the one previous for a different event. And it's like the schedule of hecticness. And I say, take a look at your schedules, right? The centenarians, they didn't live a life like that. And that's part of the problem is the stress creeping up, right? And then it adds to the feeling of shame and guilt because we're going to cheat in other areas, right? So to make sure I had all of these things done, I would hide, you know, I would hide, okay, food on the fly. We don't have time because a lot of these activities take place at dinner time. The centenarians, didn't live like that. The level of stress in their life was much less. And stress is the hidden dragon. That's what I call it. Stress is hidden dragon inside. And parents are going to feel it. Let me tell you, the kids feel it too. And that is what leads to all kinds from, you know, chronic disease to even their ability to perform in a classroom. When the kids are stressed out, and it's not something I can look at you and say, let me see what the level of stress in your body. Um, I can't do that. But I can tell you by your schedules and the pace of your life that it's probably not good if you have that feeling of, yep, we're on the go all the time. So they don't perform well, right? From extracurriculars to whatever academics, which we're really pushing, we want so badly. And so we think by filling in all of the space on the calendar, we're going to help them achieve that. Right? Well, that's probably the opposite of, of, of the way we want to do it. So I say, be okay that your calendars are not jam-packed. You want to be okay with the space. The space is when some of the magic happens. That's when some of your best memories are made. And you have to be okay that they're going to come down and say, I'm bored. And when my daughter says that, I say, yeah, because that's when the creativity comes. Yes. And the centenarians, I tell you, when Dr. Ellsworth Wareham probably had to do heart surgery as a pioneering heart surgeon, he had to rely on his creativity. And that creativity starts in your childhood, right? So you have to give them time to play and, and do these things. And that doesn't come from a lot of the structure. And then the last thing I have to say is be okay that we lost a year, right? We're all in this together. And don't feel like you are going to make up for that lost year by putting two years on your calendar in one time period, right? True. Right. If you're like an airline, okay, any airlines that triple books, right? One falls off, but not to worry. You've got two more people waiting in the queue. You know, don't live your life like that. That stress is going to eat you up. You know, it's and, and then the, and then it's a cycle. That's when the guilt will come because you feel like I'm sacrificing these other things to try to achieve all of these things. But really, it's not start with the cap, start with your calendarization and um, spending time outdoors. The, mm -hmm. the centenarians were farmers, right? Wow. So 
every day they were up at dawn doing things. And though we don't live in farming, I mean, I live here in Loma Linda, which is, and you lived in Colton near Fontana, right? We live in these communities where, um, you know, we, we have careers. Some maybe stay at home, but not necessarily live on a farm. Um, and I say, that's okay. You can find nature wherever you live. You know, it's around, you just have to slow down and embrace it. And healing comes from that. So it sounds like what you're saying is to pay attention to the calendar, the way that we spend our time, because if we don't and we're rushing, we're always going to be catching up with something else. And something that you said in that reminded me of, I, I think my family's eating habits, because we've kind of gone up and down. My, my husband's always been a very conscientious eater. He learned that from his dad. And his dad is in the older generation now, and he, he taught him a lot of those, those things, right, about sitting down to dinner and taking it slow and paying attention to what you eat. And it seems that the schedule has a whole lot more to do with affecting our food choices, right? Because otherwise we're rushing and grabbing fast food. It's everywhere. It's even in Loma Linda, fast food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it sounds like the people there are making choices, right? And it comes down to that, the choices. So this message about resiliency is about lowering stress levels and making space. Wow, I, I was not expecting that. I was expecting you to give me a list of what to do, what not to do. <laughs> in fact, we would all kind of appreciate that, but uh, I'm sure you talk about it in, in your book some more, but th this is the, the groundwork right here. I think what we need to be reminded of. I think when you think of your life and, and all the moms listening to, when you think of your life, I think of it like a metaphorical time closet, okay? So you have things, and, and mine is crammed full of toys. The hinges are literally falling off. I got to go address that. But you think of your life as this time closet. When you're going to put new things in, old stuff has to come out, right? You can't just start cramming new stuff. So I even recommend um, before you start, if you're interested in the book, there's eight habits that you can learn. But even before attempting those, one of the things I say is make the space, right? Find the space and then, you know, and then you're going to slowly, if you try to cram in the habit on top of what you're already doing, you're really, you're really going to end up really behind the eight ball because you're going to make yourself even more stressed and sick. and and for parents, the stress, let me tell you, the parenting styles that are common today, right? You've heard of them, the helicopter parenting, the bubble wrap parenting, the snowflower parenting. All of these are a parenting style where there is an active, right? You've got to do something. Those, even I call um, one, I call it the orange jumpsuit parenting, where you might even make choices for your kids that may line you up in jail, right? And, and maybe good parents that make these choices so desperately to maneuver things. When that's not the way I think we're designed to live, I think more holistic parenting is you're not going to shelter them from everything you can't. And that's not our role. To me, that's God's role, right? So we're going to go through them side by side. We're going to teach them, you know, um, how to handle adversity from early on, even from early in the household. They're going to have these problems. And the sooner you start going with them side by side versus over them or in front of them or around them, you know, like these parenting, number one, the less stress you will feel. And number two, 
the better and more resilient they're going to be. Because the centenarians, they didn't have someone, even from a young age, saying, you know, um, let's take away all of these hardships, right? And and then that's hard, but we 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 are not designed that way. And if we carry that, it's going to age us. We're not going to do well, right? We're going to all get heart disease ourselves from the stress and that. But you know, I one of the things I have a great verse that I I've been saying more when I start to feel that way. I think of um, Philippians four six: Be anxious for nothing, right? Be anxious for nothing and everything through prayer. So I think that's the way. That's the way, right? So slow it down. Start looking at your calendars. Where are you going to begin to save that space? Especially, and, you, and, and Jennifer, you made a good point, especially around the meal times. I say, just like the centenarians, they sat every dinner. Um, they sat at the table and it wasn't a time just for food. Hunger is an option. That's not a requirement, right? It's not a requirement to come to my table because there's more taking place at the table than just food. So you want to, you know, if you are one of those that's way out there and you food on the fly used to be our common theme because everything happens at five o'clock, right? Soccer practice, volleyball, violin, everything. Try to save, start by saving time during your week where you will protect those fringes and start encouraging that you sit down and, um, you know, connect, you know, slow, slow, slow and steady. Oh, such good advice. I, I am both um, inspired and convicted at the same time. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest because my, my husband and I have these conversations every so often when things start to get off kilter in our home, it usually has to do with how we're using our time. And then it slowly starts to fall into just do what's convenient. Just get the food in front of our face, just get ourselves to the next place. And, um, and then we lose each other. We lose the opportunity for these conversations. And I can see it and picture it. And I can, I can picture what, what um, he gets upset about sometimes because he wants, he has that, that had that picture of family where we sit down together and so did I. But where did we lose that when we allowed our habits to come in place of what we knew would be better? So yeah. what, what is your advice to parents then in helping us to avoid the guilt and shame around that. I mean, it is what it is. So start, start fresh now kind of thing, or how do yeah. you approach that? It's, it's hard. I'd say, um, the great norm, what I call the social norm in society now is get busy, stay busy, sacrifice your sleep, sacrifice, you know, some of your relationships and be successful and get busy right? That's what, like, if you look at the cards people would send at Christmas time, it was literally how many trips they've been on, how many things they've done. There was never much of, you know, we just kind of hung out, we were bored, and we were together, you know, because that, that, uh, that, I guess, does not make the Christmas list. But one of the things I say is, you know, if you want to be resilient, and you want to go back to what centenarians were doing that has worked, that has fortified them to overcome many pandemics, the Great Depression, and, and, and let me tell you, we're headed for some troubling times, right? We see it in epidemiology. We see it in the news, you know, in the forecast. Um, it takes time. It takes peeling back. And there are going to be those feelings of my own feeling of, um, you're not doing enough. What are you doing? And then I just know when that 
critter comes in my brain that he does not belong there. And so um, for me, I just, I just start saying, you know what, that's a lie, right? This is for my family. This is the best resilience. And then if, you know, if you like, you can even quote scriptures for the areas, you know, um, be anxious for nothing, right? I'm not anxious that I'm not catching up. I'm not anxious that my child is not on three all-star teams. That's okay, right? And and especially I know stay-at-home moms who are homeschooling, right? you really want the best for your kids. And, and even moms who are in school, there's a tendency of competing with ourselves, right? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. You know, right? Like one mom. Know. <laughs> but they go, Why aren't you studying for the SAT? This is my son just barely got into high school, right? And I said, I said, um, you know what? We'll get there. We're, we're okay. You know, we, we are going to do in a time that we need, but they're only a child for such a short time, right? Yes. Only for such a short time. And are we over fertilizing them with everything we want to put on them to grow, grow? There needs to be seasons of rest. Otherwise, you will get disease, right? Mm. And, and, and depression is, right? Depression is huge yeah. among the Yes. I, I feel I went through waves of it, especially in 2020, as did many others because of just the isolation, the, uh, and then what do we do with isolation? Okay, let's spend more time together. Okay, it's enough time together. <laughs> it was so, so different, you know, and, and the part of living through pandemic, but, but yes, that reminder right there, it's, it's that when the stress comes, the disease is sure to follow if it happens on a regular basis. And, and we need researchers like you to remind us of this because we can feel it, you know, but it's going to come out in our, in our, in our bodies and our habits and our sleep cycles. And yeah, let's, let's stay on track. You know, Jennifer, if you ask yourself, like if you, you flip on the TV or you hear a commercial, you'll see there's so much for sleep, right? Like 24, I mean, there's, to me, there's always a new sleep product, a new sleep aid. I I know I've even read research where parents are even dosing their children with melatonin to get them to go to bed, right? It's a vicious, centenarians never had a problem like that. How did it become a 24, $42 billion industry, right? With all the products you need. It's a lot of that lifestyle, right? And, And we devalue sleep, but I'm telling you, getting out in nature and and the slower and simpler is really going to help you the deception the great deception we all live with is get as busy as you can right because as it when you're as busy as you can guess what happens to your stress level goes through the roof guess what happens to the strife in your home goes through the roof when we get as busy as we can the stress in our homes might go through the roof right and 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 the toll it takes on our health and our well-being we are not meant to live this kind of stress-filled life. It's going to shorten. It'll shorten our lifespan. It'll impact our ability to reach our potential. So, you know, it's best to acknowledge it and, and to start addressing it. Just living day by day, like that was what I was doing when I was feeling that stressed out. I was living just day to day, trying to survive the day. I look at my calendar. It was so packed. I drive like a mad woman. Heaven help the squirrels I probably ran over on the way to get my kids to wherever event they needed to go, right? And then you're short and curt. And, you know, your kids, they're feeling this, right? I think stress, even before the pandemic, 
um, the American Psychological Association said it was the new norm for households today. So you have to acknowledge and less, right? I'm encouraging the moms. Yes, I said it here. I'm a public health professor and I give you permission do less. Okay. You know, you're going to, you're going to, we're going to need this when we come out of the, the pandemic. Yes. This next year goes slower, right? Um, we've all lost a year. We're all in this together. And, you know, I, I, I just, I want to bless you and encourage you guys in this journey. Gosh, Rhonda, thank you so, so much. This has been um, the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, and I'm over here almost in tears because this, this message speaks to me so personally and so um, poignantly the, for such a time as this, right? We are all living um, in, in the same situation, um, needing the same things as human beings. And we have Dr. Rhonda Spencer-Wong here encouraging us that it, it because it is her field of study and research that the things that allow us to live longer to to persevere and to grow in resiliency are, are not the things that the world tells us to chase it's the very simple slow down and and i want to thank you for reinforcing that message here again today please pick up her book, order it on Amazon or wherever you buy books. I'll have the links in the show notes. Her book is called Raising Resilient Kids, Principles for Bringing Up Healthy, Happy, Successful Children Who Can Overcome Obstacles and Thrive Despite Adversity. Thank you so much for your research. Thank you to all of the centenarians that you researched and interviewed. What wonderful people to help us to move forward as we live the best life that we can. Thank you, Jennifer. You've been listening to the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant. My guest today was Dr. Rhonda Spencer-Wong. You can find her at drrhondaspencer.com and her new book releases August 3rd of this year, 2021. It's called Raising Resilient Kids, Principles for Bringing Up Healthy, Happy, Successful Children Who Can Overcome Obstacles and Thrive Despite Adversity. Check out all that we have to offer at practicalfamily.org. If you need homeschool help, uh, we've got some great printables in our Etsy store, especially if you're a classical conversations family, make sure to check that out. And then follow us, please. If you're not already following us on social media, your social media network of choice, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, now on TikTok, actually. We've got an account there at practical underscore family as well as YouTube. So we have all of our YouTube video interviews or we're putting all of them out on YouTube now at this point. So if you want to watch this interview and see our faces and see us interact, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. Thank you for listening to the Practical Family Podcast, where we are here to encourage you to grow in your strengths, to embrace those strengths, and to grow in grace in your own season of motherhood.